Good morning, 510 here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pensacola Morning News. Did you uh, did you watch the um, Governor DeSantis campaign speech yesterday? Uh, no, not the town hall. The um, the state of the state address. <laughs> Uh, look, I think we all knew that that's what it was going to be, and uh, the expectations did not disappoint. Um, it's kind of funny because if you listen to the Democratic response from Fentress Driscoll from the House and from Lauren uh, Book from the Senate, uh, they both made the same allegation, which was that uh, the governor is running for president, and so he has been an absentee or not properly taking care of things here in the state. And um, the one does not mean the other. Right. Like he could be running for president very actively and maybe even be out of the state much more than he normally would be. You know, you can't tour every single county in Iowa and say that you're in Florida as often as you would be if you weren't running for president. Uh, But that's not the same thing as saying that somehow things aren't getting done properly or that he's not, you know, responding to things appropriately. It's kind of like this um, this Lloyd Austin thing, which I still think is just I don't know. You, you you lose credibility to me a lot when everything is nuclear evil. <laughs> you know, like if Biden stumbles getting on a plane, which he's done many, many times, um, it's fair to criticize him. It's fair to observe how he behaves. Uh, but if you say, you know, imagine if somebody said, hey, well, he tripped going up the stairs. We got to impeach him. Well, I mean, sir, <laughs> you know, no. If he trips every single time he goes out to walk and you're worried about his mental stability and his physical. Okay, I mean, maybe after a pattern. The problem is that an awful lot of people, it doesn't matter what he says or does, they want to, you know, well, see, that's why he's got to go. You know, you sometimes you got to say, you know, actually, that was pretty good. Like this speech you gave in Charleston the other day at the AME Church was actually a pretty good speech. I mean, it's not particularly favorable to the viewpoints that I hold, but it's still a good speech. And he sounded capable, robust, thoughtful emphatic i mean he didn't show any of those signs okay so you've got to be willing to give the you know discern between right the legitimate criticism and then things that are not legit well this lloyd austin thing he transferred authority to his uh, second in command uh, yes she was on vacation in puerto rico but she had all the communications equipment that she needed with her in order to function properly in that role there's no evidence that there was anything that happened that went beyond the capability of the department to handle or the Pentagon to handle. Yeah, it's weird that he didn't tell anybody that he had prostate cancer. Yeah, it's weird that it took days for anybody to learn any of this. I, I get it. But tell me what the failure of capacity of leadership happened because he was in the hospital for complications related to prostate cancer surgery and that she didn't. Ha- I mean, the answer is we don't have any evidence of anything like that. Could the Pentagon do better? Sure, of course. You've heard the top of the hour news clips and other times, you know. Okay, fine. So we're going to impeach him. Well, I mean, really? <laughs> for, for this? Well, it shows that the White House is unwilling to follow, you know, the rule of law and they endanger national security. Well, okay. So on the one hand, you're arguing that the Secretary of Defense didn't tell the White House for several days that he was in the hospital. Right? Right? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And therefore, you want to impeach him, right? Right? Yep, yep. And that shows that the White House endangers national security recklessly. Wait, what? On the one hand, Secretary Austin is the one who didn't tell anybody. 
On the other hand, the White House endangers national security. Well, the White House didn't know. That's the whole point of your first argument. So how can you say that this is part of the pattern of the White House endangering national security when the White House specifically didn't know for four days? Oh, well, you know. Don't ask too many questions, you philosopher logic guy. <laughs> so, I don't know, you just be reasonable. You know, be reasonable. And look, when the Democrats complain that the speech that DeSantis gave was primarily oriented towards his campaign for president and that he has been in the state less often than he would have otherwise been. Well, yeah. And? Well, you know, that's why he's a bad, bad poopy head. <laughs> well, okay. But, I mean, I'm, I'm agreeing with them, and then I'm asking, and so what? Because the reaction typically, like a DeSantis supporter is, I'm like, well, no, Andrew, he's just talking about the state of the state yesterday. Come on. Come on. This was clearly a campaign speech for president. It was a good campaign speech for president. Look at all the conservative things we've done. We run, you know, um, we've decreased the debt. We've protected parents. We are number one across the board in all these different things. We're doing better than anybody thinks that we are, and nobody's telling the truth. I mean, okay, all true. But do you think he would have given that same speech if he weren't running for president? Would he have targeted California and New York and Illinois and the Biden administration by name if he weren't trying to give you the picture that, you know, look at all of these liberal-run, Democrat-run places and look at how much better we're doing than they are. And we can't, by implication, when I'm president, we're going to fix all of this crap, right? That I mean, that's clearly what he was saying. Would he have given that same speech if he weren't running for Come on. Come on. I don't mind. I'm not, I, I'm, it's not really a criticism. You just, you got to start with being honest, right? Step one is you've got to be honest. Because then if you don't, if you're not honest about things that maybe don't seem to cut your way all the time, then you're not really using arguments and reasoning and logic as a fair player. You're using them as a smokescreen to cloud for the fact that you have a point of view and that's all you're trying to do. You've got to be, if, if reasoning and logic mean anything, it means that you're willing to accept that that's a flaw in your side or that's an argument against you, that's a valid argument against you. Otherwise, you're just pretending to play this game. The point of the game is it's supposed to be binding and persuasive and meaningful and guide your decisions when it doesn't work out your way. Kind of like the rule of law, you know? If you believe in the rule of law, then you believe in it even when it works against you. You believe in it especially when it works against you. And if you only believe in the rule of law when it favors your side, then you don't believe in the rule of law. You believe in whatever you can say to justify your view or your behavior. Anyway, so, yes, it was a campaign speech. It was a good one. Responses were weak. They said, well, he didn't offer solutions and he hasn't solved for the high insurance premiums here in Florida. He hasn't solved for the housing problems here in Florida. Well, yeah, that's true. What's your solution? Well, put us in charge. We'll show you. Eh. <laughs> Maybe not exactly. But also, you know, I, I do wish, the one thing I wish the governor would have said, see, I always believe in, and maybe I'm naive for thinking it, okay, but I always believe, again, admit the flaws in your side, 
because that gives you credibility. The other side, you know, admit the flaws with Trump. If you're going to support Trump, don't deny that he has any flaws. I mean, only an imbecile would think that he doesn't have major flaws. I mean, seriously, right? You could still support him, but don't deny the problems, right? And same thing here is don't deny that we have a housing problem in Florida. Don't deny that we have insurance problems in Florida. It's a question of, and then what? And so I wish the governor would have said, because you can get a lot of points. You can score a lot of points by admitting the problem and then saying, you know what? This is a byproduct of the fact that we've done everything else so well and so many people want to come here, right? That's why we're having the housing crisis and the insurance crisis. Is Well, insurance is also due to the fact that we've got you know major storms and uh, people have been abusing the system when it comes to insurance claims. And there's a lot of stuff in that. But you can say that and say, we're working on it. But these are evident, these are problems that are the byproduct of prosperity. And just say, we're trying to get a grip on the unique challenges created by the fact that we've been so great at managing so many other things. That's what you should say. They didn't say that. So, anyway. Uh, running for president, does a town hall. Um, oh, what was the comment he made? They played at top of the hour. Now, all of a sudden, I can't remember. The, um, the comment he made in the town hall was, uh, oh, went straight out of my head. It was, it was, it was such an interesting comment. That he made, and all of a sudden, I just can't remember it. I apologize. Anyway, 437-1620, I'm Andrew McKay. When you were 18, you spent your spring break in Cancun. The party was legendary, and you speak of it often, even though you don't remember half of it. The geeky kid who sat across from you in math class stayed home, practicing calculus. You made fun of her. A lot. That is, until last year, when you owed the IRS a lot of money and called the certified public accountants at Benakis and Associates. And she answered the phone. Who's laughing now? The number crunchers at Benakis and Associates live and breathe accounting and tax preparation. It's practically in their DNA. When you need to know what the heck a Form 656-PPV is, call Benakis and Associates. When you need a QuickBooks Pro Advisor, call Benakis and Associates. When you need someone who practices long division for fun, Call Benakis and Associates, now in the historic district on 120 South Alconies and online at flacpas.com. Benakis and Associates, leave the numbers to the experts. Pizza's here. Oh, great. I'd love some, but I'm worried about my stomach issues. If you're worried about having diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or loose oily stools, it may not just be stomach issues. It could be a condition called exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI. With EPI, the pancreas doesn't release enough enzymes to break down food, but EPI is manageable. Use the symptom checker on identifyepi.com and talk to your doctor. That's identifyepi.com. Sponsored by AbbVie. It's game day at Jim's house, and the spread is impressive. Mike's already done some damage with the hot wings, and now he's dropping back and going deep for another slice of pizza. I sure hope he brought the Pepto. Mike knows the Pepto-Bismol provides fast, five-symptom relief from unexpected stomach upsets. He's no rookie. <laughs> the way he's throwing back those nachos, he's the GOAT. Be ready for game day with Pepto-Bismol. When you have nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. Use as directed, keep out of reach of children.
Hi, this is Earl Ron, president of New South Window. If you need new windows or doors for your home, heads up, this message is for you. New South is having a one-day factory sale, this Saturday only in our factory showroom. 40% off high-performance award-winning windows, 40% off energy-efficient windows and patio doors, 40% off our factory direct products installed. Bring in your measurements for on-the-spot pricing or call today. One day only, this Saturday from 9 till 4. Please visit us at NewSouthWindow.com. This Saturday only, save an additional 5% when you arrive before noon. News Radio 92.3 gets you live programming every day from 5 a.m. until 7 p.m. on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pensacola Morning News. And David Wayne is in the newsroom this morning with our headlines. David? Well, Meta is now blocking certain content from reaching teenagers on Facebook and Instagram. This is after criticism over how young people use its platforms. Uh, Meta says they want to create a more age-appropriate experience in its apps. NASA announcing delays for the Artemis 2 and Artemis 3 missions. They announced yesterday that the launch of Artemis 2, which had been scheduled for this November, is being pushed back until September of 2025. Uh, the mission would uh, f- include four astronauts who would orbit the moon. Artemis 3 aimed to put humans back on the moon. That's now delayed until September of 2026. Well, David, I mean, if we could do it 50 years ago, why can't we? Why is it so hard to do it today? Ah. <sighs> You know, <laughs> I hate to say the conspiracy theorists have a point. Well, I, there, there's a certain level of like superficial appeal. Certainly, there, to that there argument. really is. There yeah. really, you know, like we did it before we even had, you know, anything. I mean, look at the t- technology that's in the space shuttle. This is before that. They were doing math by hand. Come on now, why can't? We? Okay, well, because you know. We're going to make sure and do it right with a whole bunch of new technology that basically had to be fabricated from scratch. But okay, fine, whatever. Uh, go ahead, David. What else you got? Uh, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers are headlining this year's uh, Tennessee Bonnaroo Music and Arts Festival. Hope I said that one right. Close enough, sure. Uh, no, it was correct. <laughs> uh, and uh, joining them is going to be Post Malone. Okay. So I don't know. That's uh, That just popped up here at the bottom of this thing, so I read it. Free face so test for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love the red hot chili peppers, right? Well, that's actually true. Yes, no, that's definitely true. 437 1620, 437-1620. We're under a state of emergency, <laughs> or not under, but you know, it's been declared for Escambia and Santa Rosa counties. Uh, I get the argument that this sort of loosens up the red tape that there's a certain but come on this 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 is a pattern out of Tallahassee right is um you know we we get declared like preemptively even for sometimes because which is the right thing to do a lot of times when you think a bad thing is about to happen you preemptively declare a state of emergency because that facilitates the ability to work with the federal government and you know just again it sort of loosens up the red tape a little bit but it seems to happen so often, almost in a way, and I, I'm not accusing the governor or anybody else of making this mistake, but it feels sometimes like 
but they know we're almost in Mississippi, right? <laughs> you know, like they know the geography. And and in this case, Scambia and Santa Rosa County had almost nothing. I mean, we had like one roof in Escambia County got blown. And we had the pier in Navarre got damaged. And, and there was a tree down on some some cars. It's it's not an emergency. Now I get it. They want to make sure to be overly inclusive. It's kind of like you err on the side of caution. I I, I get that. Okay, um, but again, it's a it, it's a pattern, and maybe I'm wrong for thinking that it's a weird pattern, but I do think that it's a weird pattern. Five twenty six here on News Radio ninety two three. Um, oh, this is actually a fairly big story. I haven't really seen this get reported very much. I think Fox. Might have been the only ones who really had it. The um, the top line, the headline on the story, is that uh, screen time is very, very bad for kids. Now, that's not exactly news. I don't think anybody is surprised by that. Screen time for kids under the age of two is linked to um, uh, sensory differences in toddlerhood, study finds. Sensory differences, the way you process information the kinds of things that sort of correlate with autism spectrum, okay? Being sensory seeking or sensory avoiding, both of which are issues, low registration, all these different things. Um, Exposure to screens as a young child, the study shows, indicates, published in the Journal of American Medical Association Pediatrics, early life digital media experiences and development of... um, uh, atypical sensory processing. So they tracked a bunch of kids in one of these sort of longitudinal studies where they've been, you know, gathering information on them for years, and they're going to see what they learn from all this. And the basic takeaway is that screens under the age of two are bad. More screen time under the age of two is more badder. And for kids that are a little bit older, it's still bad. And so the question starts to be, you know, well, how much screen time is safe for a child under the age of two? Well, the answer is zero is safe. Zero is the safe amount. You know, how much alcohol can you give a kid under the age of two? Well, zero is the safe amount. Ah, it's just a couple of bottles of beer. Nah, it's only a beer a day. Zero. Zero is safe. You know, when we had our first uh, son, you know, Spencer, who's now 19... Um, I was militant about the screen stuff. Like we didn't, he didn't see screens until he, I mean, like he wouldn't even be on the floor where he could see the TV was on. You know what I mean? So for a couple of years and we got more lax with the other kids. Um, and we have failed abjectly (laughs) in their older years of being, you know, restrictive on screen access. But in the younger years, we were really, really, I was really, really militant about this. Because something inside of me said, it doesn't seem like something that's that powerfully capable of producing a sedation effect on a child is going to be good for their cognitive development. When you watch screens, your brain develops differently, especially in the time when your brain is developing. And it isn't actually zero surprise that there'd be connections between early access to screens on a regular basis, even for half hour or an hour a day, and that that would somehow be connected with attention deficit issues or hyperactivity 
or even potentially some of the indicator factors around autism. There's no surprise in this. So pay attention. And it's, by the way, the, the classic mistake on this topic is thinking, well, I only let them watch good stuff. It's not the stuff they're watching. It's the fact that they're watching. It's the watching that's the issue, not what they're watching. Fox News. And I'm Chris Foster. At least four people, two in Alabama, one each in Georgia and North Carolina, are killed in storms in the southeast, part of a system that has power out in around 700,000 homes and businesses up and down the East Coast. After over a dozen tornadoes blasted the southeast, blizzard conditions for the Midwest, flooding rainfall along the East Coast and very strong winds, we're in for a train of systems impacting the same areas later this week, with in some cases even more widespread hazards. Fox meteorologist Janice Dean, 13 men who broke onto the set of a live public TV show in Ecuador are under arrest. First, you see a man with a pistol, then another with a shotgun, then more masked figures crowd the screen. After 15 minutes, transmission is cut. President Daniel Noboa ordered a state of emergency on Monday after two gang leaders disappeared from prison. There have been a series of other attacks. Fox's Jonathan Savage, America's listening to Fox News. Good morning. 531 at News Radio 923. It's 39 degrees, mostly clear skies right now in Pensacola. Pensacola's mayor has now signed a letter of intent to take over ownership of the old Baptist Hospital campus. That is provided they can get the $16.5 million to demolish it. As our delegation goes to um, to to fight for this project and make this a priority. Uh, certainly it can't happen without the city taking possession of the property, that, you know, that those dollars would have to go to publicly owned land. While it is unlikely the city would get the full amount from the state legislature, they are hoping to receive around 7 or $8 million through the state, raise the rest through under other funding sources. The city is hoping to redevelop that property into affordable housing units. Well, the fishing pier in Navarre closed off until further notice. The pier reportedly suffering major damage during the storms yesterday morning. Some portions of the side rails were blown off and will have to be replaced before the pier can reopen for fishing or walking. Right now, there's no word on when those repairs would start or how long they could take. Governor Ron DeSantis says the panhandle got hit with four tornadoes that touched down during yesterday's storms. The Department of Energy of Emergency Management uh, estimates that they may have been EF2 tornadoes. One of those in Walton County, another in Panama City Beach, which did leave some serious damage in its wake. Uh, nobody was hurt, but or nobody was killed, but there were some minor injuries reported. Homes had the roofs torn off at one point uh, statewide. Over 85,000 people were without power. Well, Florida wants to be a safe haven for Jewish students who don't feel welcome on campus. Governor DeSantis announcing yesterday that he's directed state officials to waive certain application requirements to make it easier for Jewish students to transfer here. He says the move is aimed at Jewish students who have been who have a well uh, well-founded fear of anti-Semitic persecution at their current college or university. DeSantis says that Jewish students are welcome to live and learn in Florida, where they will be respected and not persecuted. Well, the search continues today for a missing Pensacola mother. 
Her family, friends, volunteers, and Pensacola police are all still looking for mother of four Kayla Atwood, who was last seen almost a week ago when she dropped her her kids off at daycare. She's a tough girl. She's mm-hmm. very tough. That's it. She's been through a lot. And through it all, she's never run away. That is Kayla's sister-in-law, Teresa Blue, and Atwood was last seen in a picture near a Penske moving van. Family members say she would have had no reason to run away. They don't believe she would leave her kids. PPD says they are investigating all possibilities into where she went. If you have any information on Atwood's current location, you're asked to contact Pensacola Police. It's 535 at News Radio 92.3. Taking a look at our forecast. It is a little bit chilly this morning. Could be close to freezing in some areas. Uh, We are going to see sunshine today. It'll warm up into the 50s, drop back into the 40s overnight. A little bit cloudier tomorrow, warm up into the mid-60s, then another chance of rain on Friday back in the 70s. Temps will drop back down as we head into next week. Right now, 39 degrees in Pensacola, 37 in Gulf Breeze, 35 in Milton. Our next news at 6 and breaking news anytime it happens. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3. Are you hungry for news that keeps you informed, is local and dependable? Look no further than News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, and on AM 1620. We're your trusted source for all the latest happenings in the Emerald Coast. From breaking news to in-depth reports, we've got you covered. Our team of experienced journalists brings you the stories that matter most to our community. Stay connected with local events, weather updates, and traffic reports, ensuring you're always one step ahead. We're News Radio Pensacola. Informative, local, dependable. Hi, I'm Billy Anderson with Anderson Subaru. The men and women here at Anderson Subaru are committed to the Subaru love promise, a promise between us and our communities, a promise to make the Gulf Coast a better place to live, to work, and to play. And we're proud of what we've accomplished. From our ongoing support of the Pensacola Breast Cancer Association and Ascension Sacred Heart to volunteering with Feeding the Gulf Coast, we've conducted clothing drives for loaves and fishes and charity auctions for Gulf Coast Kids House, and we support Sherwood Elementary School in multiple ways. We're committed to the pets in our communities, too. By supporting dog adoption events with Phoenix Rising Rescue, Parktoberfest with Pensacola Humane Society, and Potty Gras with Wolfgang Park and Bruce. And the love continues. Through donations, volunteering, and monetary support, Anderson Subaru is making a difference in the lives of our neighbors and our community. The Subaru Love Promise. That's a promise we intend to keep at Anderson Subaru Highway 29, just north of Car City, Pensacola, online at andersonsubaru.com. Anderson's got a Subaru for you. Is your house making you sick? Learn about the hazards lurking in your home that can affect your health due to high humidity levels and excess moisture. High humidity levels and excess moisture inside the home are the leading cause of insect infestation, mold, mildew, musty odors, and fungi, which can result in making you sick. Condensations on windows and vents, blistering or peeling paint, and cupping of hardwood floors are all signs of high humidity levels and excess moisture. Learn more today at 9 on Pep Talk with Lisa Murphy from Southern Climate Solutions. Join Stefan Schmidt, Marine Service Technology Instructor at Georgetown Technical College for Boat Smart on the Pensacola Expert Panel this Friday at 10 a.m. Key Marine sponsoring the show. When Key Marine needs to hire Marine Service technicians, they hire students from Georgetown Technical College. Have a boating question for Stefan? Then give us a call at 437-1620. It's a dream team, so join them this Friday at 10 a.m. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 a.m. 1620. All the big national news in a conversation with Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins from 11 till 2 on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. 
538 News Radio 923. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pensacola Morning News. Good to have you with us this morning. Uh, cold today, under 40 this morning, so not freezing, at least. Uh, well, probably based on previous experience, there's probably places in the listening area that are freezing. Uh, Central Santa Rosa and North Santa Rosa County, maybe Northern Escambia County are, but, uh, you know, down toward the coast, where we are a little bit anyway, by comparison, it's uh, at like 38, so we'll, we'll take that for now. But still, a little bit chilly, like I said, when, you know, I get out of my car this morning, I'm wearing a sweater because I'm not really outside for all that long between the car and the station. I'm like, oh, brr. <laughs> That's today. All right. Yesterday, I had a chance to talk to Escambia County Sheriff Chip Simmons, as we typically do on a Tuesday. Sheriff, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? I'm well. And the storm, kind of nothing for us, right? I mean, it was quick well, and I mean, over. It was, yeah, if you're out there in a, in, a, in a cruiser car, you probably thought, this Enjoying is pretty it. bad yeah. rain, a lot of wind going on there. But it was a fast-moving uh, event, and um, it seems to have been passed us by. And, you know... People get their power out. A lot of people have got their power back on. We're still right. going to kind of deal with that throughout the day. That's always the way that works. But otherwise, not a big deal from your perspective, right? I, I you know, driving in here, I saw a number of, you know, some little branches, small branches, yep. really not even big ones. A couple of fence posts were down, but nothing, nothing like a, a hurricane like we're used to. Um, our guys, I just talked to our dispatcher, and they don't report any more road closures. They had the one at Perdido Key. Yep. Um, that you know, going into Alabama, we have. Um, you know, the schools route, so we have a bunch of SROs that are available to help us with traffic. Oh, so yeah, they're, that's they're true. Out I hadn't thought about that. Us, makes sense. You know, helping us with uh, whatever traffic issues there are going to be, and they're going to be kind of periodically helping us throughout the day. What What do SROs do when school closes? Uh, they do what all kids kids do, and they just they celebrate. <laughs> they, they celebrate. They, they try off. to sleep they, in. They and go they, bowling. Yeah, they, they <laughs> eat candy for breakfast and everything that, that the kids do. They eat candy uh, for no, breakfast. No, we actually uh, assign them to different locations. They'll either follow up on some of the mandatory training, or they will come in, um, and help us with, in this case, road, any road closures, you know, especially during hurricanes. Uh, oh, that makes they, sense, because a lot of times schools close for weather, so they're useful for weather things. So. Yeah, we have about 30 SROs, so yeah. we, we have quite, quite, a, quite a bit of, of SROs that are just dying to get out there and, and, and do some police work. Do other stuff. School resource officers, by the way, uh, for those of you who may not uh, know the lingo as well. So we had a couple of shootings. Uh, in fact, I guess we had a shooting overnight, a home invasion. Is that right? Yeah, I just got the phone with uh, one of my command, my patrol commander, and he said it looks like there was a, I want to say failed home invasion attempt, but uh, two people uh, allegedly broke into a home with guns, and the people that were at home had guns, and they exchanged gunfire in the home. Um, three, maybe four people were shot. We're still kind of working wow. on all of that, um, including the people that broke into the house. Uh-huh. Um, they are not... Uh, not cooperative with us okay. um, at this point, and we're still not sure about the condition of everyone. But and we're also trying to figure out exactly why they chose this house to do the home invading. Right. Um, so you know, our investigators are out there. They've been out there for a couple hours now, and um, we're still trying to piece everything together. I mean, we know sometimes when you say home invasion, it's completely innocent civilians doing their thing. I mean, that's maybe pretty rare. We also know that a lot of times home invasion is better termed as drug money robbery. Well, I can just say that um, it does not appear to be random. Okay. You know, um, and, and I agree with you that, that these things are seldom, if ever, random. Um, so we're trying to figure out why, because if you figure out why, you can figure out who, you know, if, if you kind of get an idea for that. Um, so we obviously know who because they both got both of the, uh, the invaders got shot and and they're not talking to us so we're having to piece it together from the from the people that were in the, in the house you know I, th- this raises kind of an uh, a question I had had recently is um, obviously it's it's pretty unlikely that you're a civilian not doing anything wrong that you're gonna get somebody just come into your home but that does happen okay it does happen and it's they're gonna try to come in when you're not there typically but again right. it can happen while you are there 
Um, you've always got to think about kids in terms of this question, but what's like what's a good strategy for firearms in your home? Uh, not likely to just have it on your hip all day long, you know, when you're cooking and cleaning, but, you know, where and even more than one? I mean, are we, like, in the bedroom, as I think a lot of people do, but the bedroom's not a good place for you to have a gun if you need it, say, during the day or when you're out. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, I know people that have multiple guns in different places of their homes, and I know other people who might not have any guns at all. So just thinking about that, like, what would you advise people is a good strategy for thinking about gun placement in the home? I mean, I, I believe it's up to the individual, obviously, of course. It's in how good you are with a weapon, how comfortable you are with a weapon and how how close you are. Really, um, I, I don't I'll be honest, I don't carry a gun around with me every in, in my house, the whole, you know, through my house. I feel safe in my home. Sure. Um, you know, that night I, there was a, a gun nearby. They're, they're just the nature of my work is there, there's going to be a gun nearby. Um, I, I think what I would recommend to people is just whatever they feel comfortable with. I would not have guns. You know, and and under every pillow, I, I don't know that, that I think that's that's necessary. But again, it's just a, a comfort level on of an individual. Some people want to have that reassurance that if something if they hear something, they can grab a gun um, quickly and they can go check it out, which is which is kind of what I do. Right. And so I would recommend that you do that. Now, again, you got to keep in mind if you have children in the house, you yep. need to be very careful with that. I know a lot of people have these locking gun safes and or that they have a gun at, a, at an area where a child can't get to. Um, I, I would honestly, I'd rather you just lock your doors than concern yourself with having a gun in every pocket and, and the gun in every And that's, every stove. you know, and, and many times you've said, and that's what we practice too, but I know I think about it because, you know, like we had a fugitive basically through our neighborhood a couple of years ago and I wasn't there, my wife was home, but, you know, and when that kind of stuff happens, you start to think, well, you know, back door seems safe, but what if the back door is open? And if somebody just decided to come in my back door, what do I do? Well, you know, I got to go find the weapon. Where's the weapon? You know, that's that's just kind of thinking through. Because like anything else, you got to think through the scenario. If it's worth having one for self-protection, where, how accessible, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. and, and here's the thing. Like you said, we I can't think of the last random home invasion that we've had. I got cannot, or, or even armed burglary that we've had. Um, most time, as you said, the people that, that would be inclined to break into a, a home, uh, for to get some property or money, they'll do it at a business that's close, or they'll do it at, a, at someone's out of town, yeah. or, you know, in a vacation. So let's you know put this in perspective. Um, when we investigate these things, we try to figure out why. Right. And and again, I, I can't say why in this case because it's too early. Um, but once we we figure it out, we'll I'll we'll probably let you know next week. But it's 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 pretty safe to be in your home, um, especially if you lock the doors. And and, and a lot of people don't lock their doors. It's just yeah. un- unless you're. You know, engaged in something you shouldn't be engaged in, you're probably going to be pretty safe. We talked about the shooting that was overnight. Uh, there was also a shooting. A man was shot in a mobile home park uh, a couple of days ago, right? Yeah, we're investigating that as well. There was a man found inside a truck that was parked outside of the uh, mobile home, a specific mobile home, and that individual was was deceased from gunshot wounds as well. So we're uh, we're investigating that. Uh, we do have some leads on that. We're doing some search warrants. As you can imagine, when we get a, a call of a shooting or a homicide, we do a number of search warrants, and sometimes these things take a little bit of time to get get all these things done. You have to completely search the home, and if it wasn't their home, you have to search. You know, get a search warrant for that. Um, we have phones, we have electronics, we have a number of things that we have to we have to do. So we're still working on that, and we're asking if anyone has information on uh, the shooting that happened at Sable Palm Mobile Home Park to please let us know. Again, uh, we do have some information, and uh, again, not random.
Got, I understand. Very good. Um, something that had kind of been asked of me a couple of times recently, we've been talking about the um, teen safe driver program in Santa Rosa County. The Sheriff right. Bob Johnson, we were talking about this with him yesterday a little bit. And people have asked me, why don't we have this in Escambia County? Well, um, we're, we're looking into getting it in, in Escambia County. It's, it's costly. So we're working with the Florida uh, Sheriff's Association. They have they can train the trainers more or less, and they can get us to where we're set up to do that. That is on our on our radar. It's something that we look to to do. In fact, myself and uh, Chief Deputy Hobbs have been talking about that over the last couple of months, really about okay. trying to get that into Escambia County. Um, it's it's something that we're we're very interested in doing. It's just going to take some time to get us certified, and and there's a cost to it. Okay, all right, very good. And the last thing is, um, I was confused about why the Ladaritis Clarity Act um, uh, on drive-by shooting. It's a bill that is named after, of course, a very um, unfortunate case here in Escambia County, but it's a bill that got filed by downstate Republicans, not by um, Senator Broxson and not by uh, either Alex Andrade or Michelle Salzman. And I just didn't know why it wasn't filed locally because it was a bill that you had been advocating for. It was a bill that you had been pushing for. So what's the purpose of the bill, and is there any explanation of why it wasn't filed by our local delegation? Well, I think if you start with, you know, why is that during the investigation into the Darius Clarity case, um, I was trying to wonder why there wasn't specific law preventing or, or at least addressing uh, drive-by shootings. And, and I understand some states have a version of this specific to drive-by shootings. So I, I reached out to our local delegation months ago and said, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we make this a, 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 a law and so we can have enhanced penalties on these? Because drive-by shootings, again, they're unpredictable. They're rapid execution. They're, they're unpredictable. Uh, a, a number of things and the potential for innocent bystanders to get hit. Right. Um, so I think that uh, I felt like we could, we should have something on the books to address this. Now, do I think that it's going to, just because you have a law, it's going to stop it. We have laws against a number of things. It don't always stop it. But I know back in my undercover days, people are aware of, of certain laws and what penalties might be. Um, so they might stay away from a, a, a threshold. It also has some, um, you know, some justice for the for the victims and the victims' family if there's a law um, that 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 can provide these enhanced penalties. So I th- I reached out to our local delegation and uh, Representative uh, Salzman had an individual that she thought would be uh, a former prosecutor. Uh, I think his representative. Um, that that could be better to put it in, and they had a slot available. Apparently, they have bill slots. They have that limits, are available. right? Sure. Um, not familiar with all of that, but it works. That's why it it um, it was filed in out of our county. Uh, but but again, I did recommend it be be termed or called the LD Clarity Act uh, because as as you mentioned and and as many will recall, LD Clarity wasn't even the intended right you know, um, victim in this in this sort of thing. Um, so it was just a terribly tragic, tragic situation. And, and I just really wanted um, um, the state to address the drive-by shooting situations because, as you know, we talked about shootings a bit today. Um, these are retaliatory. A lot of times they go back to a house and they shoot, and they don't know. They shoot indiscriminately from a moving platform. No one, no one really knows exactly where the rounds are going. And sometimes it's meant to terrorize a, a, a household, and sometimes it's meant for revenge. And, and, and I wanted enhanced penalties for this type of a crime. Very good. Sheriff Chip Simmons, Escambia County Sheriff Chip Simmons, uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. Thank you for the time. Thanks for keeping us safe, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. You bet. Y'all take care. Sam- Abs- absolutely. Uh, 550 here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. When I say words like uh, BMW, Porsche, Mercedes Benz, Audi, Genesis, Jaguar, Lexus, you think of good, high end vehicles that you 
probably paid a little bit extra to get because you expect them to be a higher quality. Okay, fair enough. I get that. Um, but you might also think that because they're an import and a little bit different maybe that you have to take them to the dealership to get them serviced. You do not. You might expect that you have to pay more to get them serviced. You do not. You can take them to Bobby Lycus Auto Service uh, right here on Davis Highway. They work on these cars all the time. They work on domestics, imports. They work on gas engines, diesel engines. Again, something that's a little bit different. You might think, well, you know, that's something that I got to take to the dealer to make it. No, no, they work on those all the time, too. Their philosophy is they want to see you for the little stuff before it becomes the big stuff. It's in their the name of the website, carclinicservice.com, like a healthcare clinic for your car. Now, you can go there and you can set an appointment. You can learn more about the um, you know the way they do business. You can just stop in if you want to just stop in. But uh, seriously, they want to see you frequently for small things so that they don't have to see you infrequently or more often uh, for the big stuff. Bobby Likas Auto Service right here on Davis Highway. Delicious seafood is what you'll find at David's Catfish House. David's Catfish is serving only the best Mississippi catfish and fresh Gulf seafood, as well as generous portions of delicious southern sides. Every Wednesday is Wacky Wednesday featuring $5.99 lunch basket specials until 3 p.m. and get ready for Shrimp-tastic Thursday. They're serving fresh seafood daily at David's Catfish House. Visit them on Dogwood Drive in Milton or on New Warrington Road in Pensacola. Welcome to David's, where southern and seafood meet. Hi, I'm Terrence A. Gross. As many of you know, I am a local board-certified personal injury lawyer, and I have practiced in this community for almost 40 years. Our law firm handles only people that have been injured due to the negligence of another. Join me this Wednesday at 1030 on Pep Talk as we discuss all aspects of personal injury law. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. This message is sponsored by the Florida A&M University Medical Marijuana Education and Research Initiative, the Florida Association of Broadcasters, and this radio station. Mary on Demand is live. Start your marijuana education journey today and learn more with Mary on Demand. Take the self-guided education series at your own pace. You'll decide what you'd like to learn and when. Visit mary.famu.edu to learn more. That's M-M-E-R-I dot F-A-M-U dot E-D-U. Mary, educate, learn, talk. News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. Informative, local, dependable. Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. Good morning, 553 here on News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's the Pensacola Morning News. We got a good update yesterday from Eric Gilmore, San Rosa, or San Rosa, uh, Escambia County Director of Public Safety, about things that went on during the storm. We had a, we had a catastrophic plan in place. And you never want to use it, but you, you want to be prepared as, as much as you can. Uh, so we had our community partners in a room and come up with a game plan throughout the night. We got the timing down. The school district met, uh, closed schools on the uh, air safety because there was transportation issues in the morning. And we sure don't want to see a bus on the side of the road or on its side or something because that's, you know, that's not something we want to do. 
At, at, absolutely. And you don't think about what could happen if, you know, buses are going over bridges with wind blowing and that kind of stuff. But that's his job is to think about that. We upstaffed EMS, uh, fire, and emergency management stayed throughout the night uh, to monitor the storm. Uh, we was out about 12 o'clock checking the bridges with wind anemometers so we see what real time, what the wind was blowing. Because uh, you kind of want to, you know, uh, check and see if Mobile Weather is giving you accurate information. So that's what we did uh, throughout the night. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> Like, you know, is the National Weather Service in Mobile giving us accurate information for what's going on here on the ground? I mean, that's kind of a – I don't disagree with him because it does seem like we've, you know, uh, we we on the one hand, we don't know that it might not have happened here what happened like in Panama City, right? On the other hand, it seems like there's been several times where, um, you know, be worried, be scared, big bad stuff is coming. You know, and the the basic problem is you could have tornadoes almost any time, but it does seem like we're we're getting warned more often than things are actually manifesting. Can I say it that way? And so I think uh, there might be some of that going on in what Eric said. But uh, you know, look, the things that actually happened here, you know, we had a tree in a house, a couple a couple of cars. Uh, also, a different incident. Uh, a couple of power lines were down, and you know that was a problem. In fact, uh, uh, I think uh, Pam Childers had a pretty scary post talking about you know running out in the front of her house in the middle of the night because she got you know, her husband said go out there and see what's going on and and or come out here or something anyway. And you know apparently she walked on some wires like she felt electricity go up her leg. It's bad, you know. Of course, I also wear shoes, but you know, still there. There you go. He had uh, good praise for Air, for uh, Rick Byers from uh, Florida Power and Light. I too want to uh, thank Rick Byers because I called him this morning because we had Perdita Key Drive shut down for a long period of time, and then we needed to get the pole up and going. And I called Rick, and he sent a power crew out there as quick as he could to get that up so we can get that roadway open. Uh, so it's those partnerships right there. It just says a lot about how what we do and who we are. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he says, look, by about 10 a.m., we were basically done here. So the crew stayed up all night. Uh, we got everything assessed and got everything put back in Escambia County by about 10 o'clock. So we'll take that. That's good because the rest of the state was still dealing with stuff all day. Even, you know, uh, while the storms were still affecting places to our east, the governor was given a, you know, after the state of the state address, he was giving a briefing at the EOC in Tallahassee, and there were still storms hitting, you know, places to his east, which also was one of the reasons why we got asked to put up a team for rapid strike response in case they needed it. State uh, watch office or state emergency management called us up and says, hey, uh, they really took the brunt of the tornadoes to the east of you. Could you send a tactical rescue team if need to be? And we stood up and uh, called uh, Administrator Moreno, and he uh, authorized to go ahead if we needed to move east and go help our uh, partners to the east. Uh, they didn't call us. They called some other assets in. That's fine, but we were ready to go. So uh, that's what it's all about, uh, sending help. And, then, you know, because there will be days we might need help, God forbid, but we want to be sure we can stand and help uh, others to our east uh, in our state of Florida. And, and by the way, that's not only to create like you know i'll help you move if you help me move kind of thing you know it's not just we'll help you in a storm so that you help us in a storm uh, eric also has many times explained that there's tremendous value in going to work these incidents if you can get the the gig basically because you learn so much and then you bring that knowledge back here
because there's only so many actual activations or incidents that you work in your you know your local jurisdiction and so if you can send people to go work this stuff it's not that it's good money it's not that it's just you know we're helping them out so they'll help us out it's literally training it's really really good training uh, so that if you know something happens here or really when it's just a matter of time something happens here that our people are better prepared you know for that very instant and the last thing is uh, appreciating the local media I do want to say thank you to the media, uh, our media, our local media. And, you know, I'm not saying it because Dave's here and, you know, Cat Country <laughs> and those guys. But no, they did a phenomenal job uh, before. Uh, you know, I was on the Andrew McKay show giving an update. We was on WEAR getting that message out because we don't want our citizens to be complacent. We want them to be prepared as possible and uh, be ready to brunt storm with us and make sure they can respond and recover themselves as well. Absolutely. And that, by the way, that reference to Dave Hoxing, the owner of uh, Cat Country News Radio, is that they were getting a 20-year proclamation for Cat Country yesterday at the uh, county commission meeting. So that was pretty cool. We'll share that with you a little bit later. 558, David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David? Well, Andrew, a lot more winter weather apparently on the way for a bunch of people in the U.S. Another big storm predicted to make its way across the Midwest, the South, and the East. That'll run from Thursday night into Saturday. So remember, if you have friends up north, do the uh, the nice thing and make sure you go send them a nice picture of our beach, right? <laughs> These are my toes. This is our sand. That's right. Absolutely. At 39 degrees. Uh, the U.S. Coast Guard has reportedly seized more than $30 million worth of cocaine on two vessels in the Caribbean Sea this week. They also arrested six drug smugglers. Crews on the cutter Margaret Norvell were able to seize the drugs and arrest those smugglers during operations on Tuesday. Very good, David. Thanks so much for the update. Yeah, that's um, obviously good to hear that uh, they were able to make that interdiction. Always good. It's amazing the amount of drugs that they interdict. It's really amazing. Hey, let the good times roll. It's Mardi Gras time. That means that it is the mall ball time. Ascension Sacred Heart and Pensacola Mardi Gras putting this on January 20th at Cordova Mall. It is always a good time. It's always good food and dancing and all kinds of stuff that you can bid on. Find out more at Radio 92.3, 92.3, and AM 1620. News Radio 92.3, WNRP, Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.